This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com, and your host, joining me to uh, get this show back on the road, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello, hello. How are you doing? All right, we had to sacrifice uh, Phil Shaw after Harry Kane's uh, penalty miss. We had, to, we had to send him to fetch the ball, didn't we? yeah but we are back we haven't had 10 days off we actually recorded a show and then it didn't pass quality control didn't pass quality control and became out of date fairly quickly because uh i went away for a day after we recorded it so i didn't have a chance to put it out and by the time uh, i came back to it i was like yeah i'm not putting this out it's it's out of date and which is uh, a shame because didn't you predict that morocco would beat spain uh what portugal Sorry, yeah, I thought I'm sure you said um, Portugal. No, I said it would be pretty. In fact, I didn't get any of my predictions right. I mean, two of them, I, I just went for the hell of it. One of them was England. I know, you know, if you if you put a gun to my head, I would have said France. Same with Argentina, Holland. I thought Holland might show something. They did eventually, eventually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and that became quite feisty. And Argentina oh. trying to make out the Dutch are a bunch of pricks when I thought Argentina were doing the uh, the nasty business for most of that game. We haven't seen too many games like that in the tournament. We were kind of due one, I thought. Oh, it was a good yeah, watch. I, me- I remember Holland versus Portugal in, the, is it 2006 World Cup? That got tasty and went into extra time. And I remember, the, obviously, the Spain-Holland, uh, you know, the final in um, it was South yeah. Africa, wasn't it? That was a pretty feisty one. It was kind of a builder's football versus anti-football, which is a bit disrespectful. You know, the Dutch have this persona as the nice nice guys, but uh, they, they seem to get into some scraps. Anyway, we are now... Uh, Getting back on track, we will uh, put out a, uh, a main show. This isn't really a main show. This is more of a catch-up on Villa News. And also have a reaction to Villa's uh, mid-season warm-weather training friendlies. And uh, obviously uh, England's uh, passage through and out of uh, the World Cup. We will uh, do a main show uh, pretty much uh, on the heels of this before we get into uh, the Christmas special kind of territory. Uh, one difference you may have noticed at the top of the show is uh, after deliberation, after TalkSport contacted me and asked me if I wanted to, my old man said, to be the Aston Villa podcast on their 92 English football team podcast network, it needed some reassurances that there was no 
not going to be any changes and basically there's there's no change whatsoever apart from that ident and hopefully uh talk sport will uh get behind this network and put it out there because you know ultimately they're the biggest sporting radio station in the world 80 percent it's about football so uh i think they've one of the reasons why they've launched this network is because most of their output is about the top six teams isn't it you know really yeah, their words, their yeah. words, not mine as yeah. well. They need to uh, spread the word on other teams more, so they, they see this as one kind of segue into that. From our point of view, uh, hopefully, if this network they promote this network, then uh, it's about increasing the listenership of the podcast. So hopefully, uh, that bears fruit. So we'll see how it goes. It's it's, it's kind of a no lose situation, uh, and of course, as a as a my old man said, member, you, you won't notice any difference anyway because you'll get the pure podcast without uh, any idents or uh, advertising uh, anyway. That's one of the features of my old man said uh, membership is uh, ad free versions of all these shows, so uh, no real difference. But I thought I'd give you a heads up uh, anyway. Right, shall we uh, catch up on the villain news? I think we should. Right, so we'll talk about these games individually later on, but uh, we've had three friendly fixtures in this mm. midterm break. A 3-1 flake out against Cardiff, a 2-2 draw against Brighton uh, over in Dubai, and then in Abu Dhabi, uh, a 1-0 win against Chelsea. Uh, while, uh, you know, these games are pretty meaningless, I think if you're going to play one of the top six in a friendly, you've got to beat them. It's it's good for the mentality, isn't it, overall? And it's always nice to pick up a trophy. Yeah, which hopefully <laughs> we, we, we can melt down and create a replica of the FA Cup or, or something. Meanwhile, uh, Stevenage, the F, FA Cup third round, which unfortunately got changed from a Saturday three o'clock to a half four on the Sunday. Tenuous link that it's for international broadcast but yeah nothing major i mean i don't think uh, international broadcasters are queuing up offering big money for uh stevenage versus villa no so uh, it shows you where everybody's priorities are it's international market i think they'd have got more fans physically for a three o'clock on a saturday than a half four on a sunday yeah. put it that way yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Aaron Danks, uh, this is obviously a few weeks ago, has uh, left the club and is now uh, one of the first team coaches at Middlesbrough. There's no real affinity to Danks. Uh, I mean, he did a he was only here for a short while and uh, did a decent enough job. But you know, it's, it's, as soon as he signs a new job, it's up the borough. Hashtag up the borough and all that kind of stuff. So you know, allegiances are fickle in this business. But you know, we wish him uh, good luck. He did found the the formation and uh, the first eleven to get us cranking up again, didn't he? Yeah, and fair play to him for that. If only for just giving us some entertainment, finally. <laughs> yeah, and that blitzkrieg start against Brentford. Leon Bailey was Villa Player of the Month, while Rachel Daly was Women's Player of the Month. I think she was uh, Super League Women's Player of the Month as well. If I'm she was definitely nominated, yeah. Mistaken. I saw a, a picture of her with the trophy, so uh, congrats to her. The goals keep uh, raining in. Uh, meanwhile, in Qatar, Emmy Martinez is the last Villa man standing after dumping out Cash and Bednarek in the second round and then subsequently progressing to the semi-final. Oh, it doesn't really matter now. England are out. If England got to the final against Argentina, I think they would have had to get rid of him in 90 minutes because, uh, or the extra time, because I didn't really fancy... Uh, 
the Dutch, once you saw how many Argentinians were in that crowd, the noise they it's were like making. It's a home and, game, isn't it? And then Martinez in goal. It's, he's in his element uh, for a penalty shootout. So that's going to be their strong suit. And was, in, and was in his element again, wasn't he? Two great saves. Yeah, you don't want to end up playing Argentina on penalties uh, in the semis or the final here. I did enjoy his post-match comments as well, just so blunt and passionate about the referee and how shit he was. Emi Martinez, you are the hero of all Argentina. Can you sum up your feelings after that tonight? Oh, it's a tricky game, man. I thought we controlled the game really well. We went 2-0 up. Basically, we controlled the game. The, the ref was just giving everything for them. Uh, all of a sudden, they get a good header, good flick, which I couldn't see. Uh, and then it just it turned upside down. The ref was giving everything for them. He gave 10 minutes. For no reason, 10 minutes. It was giving free kick outside the box for them like two, three times. He just wanted them to score that. That's that's basically it. So hopefully we don't have that ref anymore. It's useless. Okay. But when you got to the penalty shootout, what's the thinking going into the spot kicks? No, Did you have it all planned I heard, out? I heard uh, Van Gaal saying, uh, we got an advantage in penalties. Uh, if we go to penalties, we win. I think he need to keep his mouth shut. Okay. Although, question, I, I still stand by this. If Martinez wins that World Cup, I think he's off in the summer. His it's profile a different, becomes a different thing, doesn't it? Different However, loyalty to Villa and buyout He'll be doing and stuff. endorsements, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's that what happened to Grealish when as soon as he got a bit of England stardust on the, in a major tournament, it transforms everything. Your cachet goes right up and the big boys come a-knocking. Yep. You can argue, well, where would he end up? I mean, this is a conversation for another day, but, you know, if Ferguson was at United, he'd get him in at United because they're wasting time with De Gea. He's not even the Spanish keeper Agreed. now. And even, you know, you look at what, you know, Bayern Munich, you know, their goalkeeper's just broken his leg skiing. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, personally, for Martinez, yeah, of course you want him to win it, but give me Morocco any day of the week. <laughs> give me Croatia any day of the week. You do wonder if it could be a rematch, don't you, of Croatia-France? That'd be an interesting one. Yeah, uh, although at this stage, just that momentum, how they got through that Dutch, they're pretty galvanised now, Argentina. Mm. And it's just after getting beat in that first game, it's just like, well, if they get their shit together, that's the kind of thing that it's out of adversity, isn't it? That mm-hmm. that also helps bond teams together. They seem so, to have that, a bit like they did in the Copper America, they seem to have that annoying winning knack of just getting the job done. I don't think they've been necessarily playing amazing football at times, but they do get over the line. A bit like the French did, frankly. We did a podcast where I said Argentina will be hard to see past. And a few people winded me up after they got beaten the first game. But, you know, here we are. (laughs) And those, you know, you think for a semi-final and then potentially a final, the ground is going to be like a home game for them, I would think. Yeah, France... I thought England could have beaten them. We'll we'll get on to that later. Argentina, I think Croatia, well, you know, never underestimate Croatia. They're one of the better teams in recent years. Just there's something about that Argentinian team that uh, I think can do the job. But uh, anyway, we, we will carry on. Mm. Good luck to Martinez, but hopefully, uh, I mean, it's definitely Villa are on trial for the rest of this season in his eyes, I, I think, because... We can keep talking about ambition and winning things, but if you don't do anything, players start to, uh, especially when you, you know, you'll have the world calling. So uh, Villa, an extra little side subplot uh, on why Villa needs to progress in the second half of this coming season. Meanwhile, Villa ladies who are playing uh, Arsenal before we recorded the show uh, lost recently 5-0 to uh, Manchester United at Old Trafford in front of 30 plus thousand in a record attendance. But uh, they're still placed in the top half of the league. It's just a shame they didn't... When they played West Ham and Everton, two other middle, middle of the 
table teams they didn't beat what at least one of them because they lost both and they, those are teams around them that have been cemented in the top five if they'd you know won one drawn one of those games and they were both at home I think yeah and, and I think to to get to the end of the season as maybe being the best of the rest would be a massive achievement wouldn't it yeah from where they've been since they went you know pro yeah but uh, you know there are only maybe two or three players away from uh, progressing even further mm-hmm. right this isn't a, a full show we'll deliver one of those shortly but we'll uh, more of a reactionary show to what's uh, gone on recently to set up what is to come in the rest of December on the My Old Man Said podcast. Uh, Villa Friendlies, the Cardiff game, not much really you can say about that apart from uh, I get the feeling they were told not to go out all out in that one. Uh, yeah, that was my understanding. I, I think it's just one of those games that potentially... We, we've been told it, on good authority. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> Avoid injury. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, you know, if you can, in those kind of games, you know, because you've come straight back off holiday, you haven't had much time back um, in training. The intensity sort of wasn't there, as you saw in the in the Brighton and the Chelsea games, that they were trying things. That they'd obviously done a lot of work in camp, as it were, as Cardiff was a bit of a, let's just go out and play and treat it as a fitness exercise. Yeah, because that would, that would have been, that game was booked. That's the first thing they booked for this midterm break. Yeah, it was ages ago. Well, well in advance of uh, Emery coming to town. Yeah, I think if Emery had had the option before, he probably wouldn't have been playing it. Yeah, it's uh, billed as a Peter Whittingham charity game, so you can't really pull out of that. So a little bit of an inconvenience. And fair play to there was it about seven hundred or so Villa fans that went down on a yeah. Tuesday night. You know, it's a pain in the ass to get down to Cardiff for seven o'clock on a midweek. Brighton uh, first game in Dubai behind closed doors. I, I loved, I loved the setting. I must admit, it's Brilliant. like on some wasteland. They put behind some goal was just an expanse of nothing. Managed to put some grass down. There's just loads of cranes in the background. They're, they're literally continuing building up Dubai while they played, really, with the cranes in the background and yeah. a few floodlights here and there. Thought Villa. Uh, Bossed the game for most of the part. They played some really good stuff, actually. I thought it was quite an entertaining game at times. I thought Brighton are always a neat and tidy team, and I thought we you saw well in both the games in the in the Middle East. You can see now how he really wants to play. You saw it in obviously the, the first couple of league games, but you really see okay, we are we are definitely a play out from the back team for better or for worse. Yeah, I mean uh, Ings' goal was good, and you know they worked a few good uh, moments. I mean it, Chambers, I don't know what he was doing there. He he, he should have come across. He almost yeah, the like two they conceded to... were poor. To be fair, yeah, I mean he was guiding that the guy onto his stronger foot, didn't he? Yeah, and just put it in the bottom corner, didn't he? But the second Villa goal, obviously, it was it was went down as a Duncombe goal, didn't it? But the um, yeah, but the sort of you know, the approach play from the free kick was brilliant. Great little bit of um, movement and balling from Reiki, who I thought impressed in both games. Nice to sort of have a look at him. We really haven't seen much of him other than, other than in you know twenty threes games and the odd pre season thing. But it was good to see what he's about. And a couple of the other kids got a bit of run a bit of a run out. And yeah, in terms of results, I mean that's the whole cliche. But there is a you know it is as I said at the top show. If you're playing a top six team uh, and we move on to the Chelsea game. There is that kind of mentality there. If you can start beating them, because we're, we're playing more and more, because we're starting to get more on the international track to uh, cement relationships and build relationships abroad, and you know, obviously grow the fan base. So we're going to be playing the bigger teams more and more because they're already well on that beaten track of uh, the international uh, market. But you've just got to make it almost normal now that you can beat these teams. And we, you know, we have been beating Arsenal, Manchester United, and friendlies. So the Chelsea result is a good win. Chelsea very much in transition. Uh, in terms of Potter, uh, that team, I had no idea what was going on with that. Uh, Didn't recognise half of them. He's kind of thinking, players that where's, even, the, where's uh, the rest of them? 
Because we had to switch to uh, the Chelsea YouTube channel watching that game because the Villa stream went down. And uh, just from, is it Jason Cundy was on and whoever the other guy, they, they seem to uh, not be, uh, let's say, proficient in their knowledge of some of those players. Yeah, it was, it was pretty young. I mean, a couple of them were very tidy, though, to be fair. Yeah. Hutchinson, the kid on the right, was really lively, especially in the first half that he hit the post. Villa went pretty strong uh, from the off. Uh, I mean, Re- Recky came in for uh, Buendia and he you know he had a decent game he's more of a, like an upright midfielder isn't he he's kind of yeah, quite, he's, he's, quite he's tall. tall but other than that it was, a, it was a relatively strong side you know a good strong back line obviously Olsen in goals so you got your number two there Watkins from the start and and McGinn in a slightly more advanced role which seemed to work well you know the goal was was really well crafted on the break great move and uh just so just to finish off on the recce thing he, he hit the uh hit, hit the post with his last touch of the game because he was he was subbed yeah, after that yeah, it was a good effort mcginn's goal uh well worked and uh yeah very much in the position where he is for scotland really slick really slick move and then he got him to position chelsea didn't really offer that but also made a, a particular smart save yeah, if anything, Midway, it was kind of a second half. Yeah, it was more Villa playing themselves into trouble, as we've seen for the last however many years. Chelsea giving, no, sorry, Villa giving the ball away in stupid areas, and I think they were most players were guilty of that at some point, just slightly lax passing and maybe just trying things that they wouldn't necessarily do in a league game quite so much but some of the sort of playing through the phase of the pitch was quite neat and tidy admittedly obviously it's hard to gauge against a, a young Chelsea side Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right? For me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they played Villarreal uh, on Thursday. And to go from like having a nice warm weather, I mean, they've, they've been worked, but, you know, it's it's a different ball game, isn't it? It's, it's now sub-zero here in the UK. Yeah. Obviously, the Villarreal uh, the Spanish team, uh, they're not going to be too uh, delighted by the, the, fr- the freezing conditions here. <laughs> no. But it'd be interesting to see what reaction, you know, how Villa kind of step up to that because it's uh, would be a bit of a shock to the system, won't it? I mean, more of a reality check, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you wonder, I mean, I suppose they'll have what, a couple of weeks before the Liverpool game. Villarreal's the last one. So they'll, I'd imagine, be doing, you know, they'll be flying back pretty much straight after the Chelsea game, bit of recovery straight into Villarreal, and then they'll start doing 
some real work. They've had to give back their England semi-final tickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, lads, you can't have the box now. Yeah, we, we, we noticed the timing of this uh, warm weather training. Don't, don't you worry, it's been noted, but uh, all to no effect. They were too busy walking lions, weren't they? Yeah, not, not a good look there yeah, from our... Uh, Mr. Louise. From our, well, all of them, fucking Buendia... I think Coutinho was there as well. Mm. It's all a big, you know, where, you know, we know that footballers aren't the brightest of creatures and uh, wasn't a particularly good. It's what happens when you're done with money. People start keeping tigers, stop driving silly cars and, you know, throwing money against the world. They got hammered on Twitter. Old Louise did, didn't he? He got absolutely hammered on Twitter, I think it was, or Instagram. It was one of the... Well, yeah. I mean, he's not the sharpest uh, tool in the box by uh, all accounts. Bit of a douche, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, as, but as long as he's doing it on the pitch. What, what I've been told, uh, but yeah, exactly. I'm not here. I don't care about uh, f- footballers' private lives. So I have no interest in their lifestyle or that whole scene. Uh, we're just here for the actual football side of it. And to be fair to him, he's actually been quite good. Yeah, he's improving. Right. So, I mean, still, you know, 25 million if, uh, well, yeah. say 23. <laughs> 23 million, I'd have still taken that. That can be better invested. I still stand by that. But uh, that said, Louise has very much been uh, probably one of the most improved players in the in this calendar year, I would say. Yeah, and certainly in the post, sort of post-Gerrard weeks, um, been a, a relative standout, I would say. Yeah, and and started you know obviously stepped up when Kamara went mm-hmm. out as well, which helped get him proper game time, and uh, so it's led to a better version. But there's still another there's still other gears if he's going to be I considered so. a twenty mil plus player. I mean, he's and if he wants to get himself back in the you know, the Brazil squad, which he's he'd like to think he's capable of if he ups his game. Not not if they have any ambition on winning the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll tell you that. Anyway, uh, moving on. I don't want to slander Villa players anymore. Uh, let's move on to slandering England players. Oh, with, God. Uh, a look back at uh, in the show that we did record that we mentioned earlier on, we were quite bullish about England. Chris Budd was saying England were going to beat France. Did I say an extra time? I think it was England yeah, two one I extra time. Said, yeah, go on then. I'll go for England as well because they have got the potential of gears of blazing through, and they could actually take France head to head in a firefight. And that's what happened. Kind of, mm. uh, it wasn't like a holding on. We'll try to hit them on the break. I mean, you read the Heinz the post match. Uh, people just saying that, oh, England just play for set pieces and that's it, in the hope that they will, uh, you know, win 1-0. It's like, well, they were down twice, so they had to do something to get back from that. But in this game, it went 1-0 down, we came back, we went 2-1 down, and the clock's starting to tick, and you think just, you know, this this is an indication of can England get themselves a chance to get into the, you know, to get back into this game? And they did. Let's, yeah. let's be frank Relatively here. quickly. They got it and they fucked it. That's the bottom line here. This yeah. isn't Southgate. His team managed to get them. And people saying, you know, what's he bringing on Mount? You know, Mount actually got that fucking penalty. Having been on the field a couple of minutes. I'm not going to stand here and say Southgate's my favourite manager and Mount's my favourite player of all time. That's, you know, that's not the case. But Mount came on, he got the penalty. And I mean, that referee, I mean, people will say, Pony. 
that was a joke. And the one in the that's first you, half was a shocking You were glad decision. that at least VAR was there because if it wasn't there, we would have got steamrolled out of that game without a chance. It would have been like playing 15 players. He had a stinker in the first half especially. I mean, uh, I was trying to work out what was in it for France uh, in terms of from a uh, Qatarian point of view because it's almost like I, I don't think France could believe some of the shit they were getting away with. Their defence was so reckless. Mm. It was almost like they were they were told, "Oh, don't worry, boys. Just you know, we've got the green light. We can do what you want around the box. Just hack into them because they were getting away with murder." For, and I'm you know, I'm not just talking from a biased point of view here. I'm just I'm talking from judging it compared to what we've seen in the rest of the tournament and the letter of the law. It was really odd watching that game. I mean, if you go back twenty years and you're watching that game, you're going, "Oh, the referees are fucking prick here." Now with all this, what you've been seeing, and you know, if you fall down, you get a free kick. And VAR, it, actually, it was almost like daylight robbery trying to take place in front of our eyes something was not right yeah and i think we, we caught the french maybe not at their best but that's the sign of champions that they managed to get the job done somehow you know, by hook or by crook which is what we've said with england they they just need to learn to get over the line sometimes and i actually think if if kane converts that penalty i think we would have with the changes we'd made i just i do wonder with southgate if that he was trying to trying to keep things tight not go too gung-ho too early went to make his change and they scored and it just scuppered, scuppered yeah. his plans and then he had to start sort of throwing players on which he probably didn't want to have to do probably wanted to allow himself to go through the gears in extra time because I think we would have um, had him on the ropes in extra time well I, I think we had more depth in our squad oh, and he's more, got yeah, options to bring more. off and uh, you know people are saying oh Grealish only on for two minutes well you know the hand was really forced as you said he's kind of throwing players on at that stage but Grealish on and then he's got extra time is another matter Mm-hmm. Uh, along with a lot of other of the freshening up uh, that we were going to do, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm still astounded how Southgate gets so much shit. And if you just look back to, uh, and you know, this is simple facts. I mean, I tweeted this because I just, I just thought it's just Neanderthals bashing Southgate. So I'll say again at the start, Southgate's not my ideal choice of England manager, but there's. That's when he came in, but there was nobody around to take the job, literally. I mean, Allardyce got done for his brown paper envelopes and uh, Southgate was kind of fast-tracked. But this is as close as you can get to having like almost like a club manager, isn't it, in terms of the way he's come yeah. through the under twenty. Well, he's talked pretty much from day one. He's talked about Team England, hasn't he? Yeah. And this sort of uh, natural pathway. Like you'd have a club, you know, guys we've had through under-17s where they were successful, 18s, 19s, 21s, etc., have graduated into this England team, of which, bearing in mind, most of them will still be there in four years at the next World Cup. Bar and he's been very much uh, an instigator of this progress and and part of it, you know, having obviously had a keen interest in the under-21s. And, and this the players is players like him as well. This is a 10-year plan. This isn't like, uh, oh, we've got to chop and change and get somebody in. I mean, saying that, Morocco, I think, got a new manager in for uh, in September. Three months, and, and, yeah. And they're doing pretty well. But, you know, parking that aside, the England way is, uh, is it Greg Dyke? There's, you know, he said at a press conference years ago, the, the aim is to uh, get into the final of the Euros. And then the idea was to win this World Cup. And then this is like part of a, you know, like a 10-year plan. Mm-hmm. Now, pretty much nailed it, almost. Just yeah. And I mean, this, I, I, year, I, this year, it's just like a bad draw. It's like uh, yeah. you played France, and it was pretty much a fifty-fifty. And 
if we were like fell short and we were never, you know, we weren't laying a glove on France, you go, yeah, right. You know, we need to, we need to do something here. But the fact is that penalty miss, you know, that would have changed, potentially changed the direction. And we had the chance to do it. We we did everything to still be in this game. It's just, you know, it's a Spursy thing. Why we missed. <laughs> and it, why and we and missed. it can happen. You know, you'd, at least with a with a penalty miss, you haven't been completely screwed by a dodgy decision or something. I think I thought the first, in fact, I thought both French goals were actually pretty well executed. The second one's a brilliant cross, great header. Pickford can't do anything about it. The first one's a really good hit. It's just one of those things. I think, but but yeah, but I'm not I'm not going to sit here and go. Oh, it's just one of those things. It's fine. You know, we we you know we were close. It was you know it's just unlucky. You, you do have to fucking think about it and go. We've got to win this. And I've you know I've said I don't trust Harry Kane in the big big moments. It's a Spursy thing. Lineker scored both of his penalties in a quarter final against Cameroon, and I remember watching those, and that was like shit the shit the bedtime because Cameroon were on the verge of being the first African nation to, to be the first in this in a semi final of the World Cup. The stakes were high, and you know, thirty years later, there's a bit more respect on African teams. Then, you know, it was uh, they were treated. Just it was like uh, condescendingly, and it would have, it would have been this like super major shot. But Lineker steps up under immense immense pressure. Now Flores pulls off a save. You go fair, you know, fair enough. Okay, you know, not the greatest penalties or great save, but he, you know, he, blew, he fluffed his lines, and that is the difference. You know, when people talk about winning mentality, whatever, you've got to you've got to you've got to put that away. These are the fine lines, and yep. if, if you don't put it away, then sorry. But you know, it's uh, oh, you know bad luck, blah blah blah. But if you accept it as like you know, shrug your shoulders, oh you know, you know, unlucky, you know, it's just a penalty, you know, you know, you got to score it. My annoyance with them, as in, in terms of just um, how the game went, was that eight minutes stoppage time wasn't there, and I, yeah. I always feel with England, if they have to, they'll make something happen. You have got the players on the pitch who can. Since when? <laughs> you always felt with England since when? The way they've played in the tournament, when they get in the opposition's final third, I think they've been pretty fucking clinical. You would say. Oh yeah, but sorry, I'm, I'm talking about a tradition of making oh, things well, happen and for, you know last minutes. Yeah, or whatever. The, this team in the here and now, though, you think there's enough on that pitch that you'd like yeah. to think someone's going to make something happen there, and you're pretty confident that actually, if the chance comes, you'll take it. Larice didn't really have obviously the bar the two penalties, he didn't have a big save to make. Rashford did go close with that last throw of the dice free kick. But I'm talking about like you can you know, a big chance that you've. You craft the chance. You think, yeah, you should be burying that. But a free kick, I don't necessarily think it's one of those like a gilt edge. You should be burying. Well, it's not that gilt chance. edge, but it's like if if you want to be, uh, you know, Beckham did it. That's why he became. That's basically his whole fame and career mm. is built on that yeah, goal Greece, against Greece. So if uh, Rashford scores that, then you know it's another level. But that is a chance. You, you you've got to be uh, if you're going to pull something out of the fire. Those are the chances you take. It's like Holland, you know, they they had a last minute free kick, similar position. They went a different way about it. It's like when Mounts shot from forty yards. It's like what the oh, fuck that are you was infuriated at that point because there, there was an easy ball onto the right, wasn't it? And this well? is the lower level of you see that so many times. And this is even at top international football where a team is desperate. And they're chasing the game with what you know they're, they're goal down and players get a rush of blood and and they're blasting it from like forty yards. The odds of that going in very very low. That's why it was good to see the, the Dutch similar position against the clock. They knew they could take that fucking free kick, but it's almost like a token gesture. Thirty so yards out, unless it's like a one in a million, that's going blazing over and everybody goes ah. Oh. And you know we, we've all been there. We know the script, but they actually had a bit of nous despite you know that. 
and they didn't let the pressure get to them. They executed it and superb. And that's what you kind of want. That is the difference. And it almost got them, you know, through ultimately. Then it came down to penalties for them. But I don't know. I think that it was a missed opportunity. But when I'm going back uh, to the whole Southgate thing, in that day, you know, in that game, Southgate, you can't really, the book's not at his feet there. If Kane scores that, we're not even talking about it. The, the book's at Kane's feet and people will let him get off and, you know, it's, you know, shit goes on, life goes on, you know, you shouldn't be hanging him. You know, Beckham uh, misses and gets sent, you know, sorry, gets sent off and he's getting bullets sent to him in the post and death threats. And, uh, and obviously all the stuff after the Euros with the three And he's lads. in the newspapers on, on, on a noose as well. But you go back, it's, it's an England thing. You know, after 1966, they've never beaten like a top, what you'd call a top level nation in a knockout round not once so since 1966 they've only beaten in knockout rounds in the world cup paraguay belgium when they weren't that great and that was the david platt goal and that was the last minute of extra time <laughs> belgium very average at that time cameroon denmark ecuador colombia sweden and senegal that literally haven't beaten anybody. So when they've gone out of the World Cup, and by the way, they haven't qualified for three tournaments since 1966. So this isn't like fucking Southgate has, has ruined England, and uh, you know he's this, we can't tolerate this. This is all we England have been doing since 66. England in the 1970 got knocked out by Germany. 86 got beat by Argentina. Germany again 1990. Argentina again 98. Then it was Brazil 2002. Portugal and you know Brazil. I remember Seaman f- fluffed his lines there. Portugal 2006. Germany 2010. Croatia 2018. France this week. Every time we've played a team that's uh, let's say elite level. It's almost like in Premier League terms it's like when we played a top six team yeah we've got knocked out every time every time so this isn't a Southgate thing so this isn't like oh well, we'll get rid of Southgate and we'll solve the issue no it's never you know Venables Ericsson Capella Hoddle, Hoddle whoever Bobby Robson Alf Ramsey was getting shit before he won the World Cup Bobby Robson was slated most of his tenure of the England job. Now he's seen as, you know, something of a, a great England manager. None of these managers have done anything compared to Southgate. Southgate is the most successful England manager since Sir Ralph Ramsey. He's gotten the closest to winning a tournament. He's the only only manager that's got uh, England into a final of the Euros and only one of three that's got him into the semi-final of the World Cup. So despite his deficiencies, despite that I don't particularly rate him, there's things that he has done well and that's because he's got this kind of weird role where he's come through the under 21s England he knows the place so he's got this kind of club role within England and he's we've heard about the golden generation and not being a happy changing room but he sorted that out now you could bring in like you know the best manager in the world he could break down that integral kind of team bonding and infrastructure that they have so that might affect their efficiency of you know what they do or what he plans tactically so I I can't, you know, I, at this moment, in terms of other English managers, I don't think there's a, let's say, a, a distinctly better bet at the moment than giving Southgate another, you know, another uh, go because a lot of these players are under 25. This is a team that has to learn, you know, to have that experience of tournaments, to learn how to get games over the line and win games. And they'll only do that by having the experience and they've just got another tournament under their belts. And when you compare this team to the one that started against Croatia in the semi-final in Russia, there was Deli Ali in the midfield. There was Lingard in the midfield. They're nowhere to be seen now. We were playing two right-backs in Walker and Trupier and Ashley Young was on the left. So this, uh, and Sterling 
I don't think Sterling's the man for international duties, but you know he he was the man, and outside of that, you can't really look anywhere. Now we've got five or six options, and the emergence of you know young Bellingham, who's and Bellingham, been, he's been sensational the whole tournament, often on the pitch, really Absolutely, good. Yeah, yeah, everyone's been so impressed with him as a, as a person and as a player, and everyone sees the potential of what he he can become. And, you know, this isn't something that, you know, we get rid of Southgate and then in the next tournament we're a completely sensational team. I think you can see how we've stepped up from that, the last World Cup. I mean, people go, oh, we got knocked out in the quarterfinals this time, so we have to step back. It doesn't work like that. It depends on who you fucking play. I mean, yeah. And I think deep down, it's it's probably played out how a lot of people thought it probably would. I remember speaking to a lot of people, hearing a lot of pundits, um, seeing the write-ups of it when people were sort of plotting the routes through the tournament. And everyone thought, well, you'd win the group, as you should, which we did. You should get through the knockout game, which we did at a canter. But you're likely to play France in the quarterfinals. And that's where it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. And then that's when you decide if it's coming home or not. Is you can't even have that conversation until you beat the French. If we beat the French, the days that follow would be, would have been unbearable. I mean, but you know, we don't. You know, we take that collateral damage, no problem. Yeah, it would have been coming home to the moon, especially with the way the draw developed. That's why it feels like another huge missed opportunity because you know the the Croatia semi um, before. I think they should have won that game. The Italy final, if they were braver, they win that game. They beat France, and then you think, well, you would fancy yourself against all the teams left in the tournament, but alas. I mean, if we beat France, and it was Portugal next and Argentina in the final, then you're thinking, well, this is the World Cup where we banish so many hoodoos if we actually win it. It would have been perfect. In conclusion, I would give England, I would give Southgate another four years. I mean, one of the reasons is because I don't see any candidates out there. I don't see any alternatives. People go, oh, Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe done fuck all. Apart from two half seasons with Newcastle, he's not as if you normally the England job's given to uh, a top top manager. Southgate only got it by default because of what happened to Allardyce, and he was part of this new FA long long term plan. And now they've got to see that long term plan out. I think is because it's gone. You know, it's, he's done bar Alf Ramsey as good as any other England manager ever mm-hmm. and I don't think he's finished yet so you might as well stick to that plan because Eddie Howe's not your answer at this moment in time he's not going to leave Newcastle because he'd want to prove himself as a club manager Potter I mean he's still in that stage where he hasn't done anything yet yeah he's impressed some people at Brighton and then he's gone to Chelsea and everyone's kind of he's, these are not winning managers are they bit. these are not proven track record no, managers no, no, no. and then you go down the big name foreign manager for want of a better term then it's that danger of if they're not really buying into the project then you, you're just paying bad money after next to the likes of Ericsson and Capella you know yep. as, as people say you know what happens if you know you got Tuchel, Tuchel in charge and we play Germany is his heart really in it or if we've got uh, Poch in charge and uh, we play Argentina it's you know I'm not necessarily nails to the mass I'd prefer an English manager but it's just something it just kind of in international football it's you want it to be like that and you know that goes for all countries really I think it's I think it's good especially as uh, just from a sporting point of view the players playing for your your know your national side is perceived to be or it's meant to be perceived to be the pinnacle you want that to be for an English player the same for a manager you want there to be a perceived pathway for English managers to get to the top in the same way as like the African nations uh, they were sometimes uh, open to you know be uh, managed by mercenaries yeah, a lot of the European guys would go over there. Journeymen, they? European guys, mercenaries, but now they're you know they're starting to increasingly get their own 
national managers, and that's that's encouraging from that. But you know, this is just kind of uh, this is how you want it ideally in sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, if I was Southgate, I would walk tomorrow and say fuck this. I mean, because it's a poison chalice. You don't get any credit. It's a thankless task. Other than winning the World Cup, you're not going to get. You know, it's anything. That exactly, that's the only thing we judged on now is winning the World Cup. Before the World Cup, we were, you know, we were watching England get annihilated by, uh, well, not annihilated, but taken apart by Hungary at the Molyneux. And you're thinking this is this is going nowhere. But you, mm-hmm. what we saw in this World Cup, I think actually he's been a bit braver now. He's realised where his strengths are in his attacking players. He's actually got better players, and he's that Bellingham has stepped up to the plate, and that's given him a whole new Southgate and a whole new dimension. So uh, actually, you see you see progress and you see potential more more than anything else. This isn't like the the last chance of Southgate. This is no, like the next step. And you think actually we were going to get rid of you, but this tournament, it's like you can see there's hope because we just went toe to toe with the world champions. And if that Spursy chap had uh, put that penalty away, we may have got past them. Yeah, this isn't like you know, the Iceland game under Hodgson that was a disaster. You know, if, if you'd have like got knocked out by a Morocco or that in those kind of circumstances, I get where there'd be a huge post-mortem I don't see it particularly in the press I think most of the press are like you should he should be staying you know you've seen some of the you know the usual sort of you know, heavy hitter journalists all saying the same thing I think it's the, the fan expectations well if we don't win the World Cup it's not progress I mean, where do you progress from a semi-final to final other than winning because in tournament football so much is on luck certain things are out of Southgate's control he can't just you know he can't as you said, he, he can't. He's not the one who's stepping up to take a penalty. Thank God on his. Well, yeah, he'd miss. If he um, did. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, he can't do anything about a refereeing decision. You can have a crap decision on the day. You, there's, there's so many variables that are out of his hands once the players go over the white line. Now, tactically, do I think he's the most switched on elite tactician? No, I don't think he is. But I don't necessarily think there's too many other guys who do a lot more with the players we've got at the moment. I mean, you know, Champ was an ex, you know, an ex player. He basically got the job in France manager because of his exploits with the French team. He hasn't done much as a manager. No, it's not as if he's some like kind of elite level manager. It's just that he's got some players that are probably a bit further down the line than most of the English guys and and they are used to winning things. And there's probably been a better camaraderie in the past, but they've got it over like like Giroud. How the fuck does he always score? He's he's like he is the ultimate fox in the box. I've got all respect for him because he always finds a way. He yep. always pops up. We haven't got that man. I still don't think Kane's that man. He doesn't always find a way because he had it on a plate and he and he scuffed his lines. He's somebody who'll score a hundred goals against San Marino to boost his stats. But I mean, he's not. You know, I think he does enough. And sometimes he, you know he does well from deep. But I, you know, I think he, he shouldn't be deep as much as he as as he is sometimes effective from deeper positions. He's he's kind of sacrificing himself like it's a bit like what you know as a villa fans we say about ollie watkins mm-hmm. but there's just there's a couple more players that he needs and i think uh the defense will change just through uh evolution yeah but midfield and the forward line you're looking at that and in four years time i can't yeah. think of anyone who won't be there kane will be the elder statesman in four years time but he'll still be what's he 32 33 yeah he's 29 now yeah so, but you know he may be evolved out of the picture but he's you know we're looking at Giroud and how old's he he's if you're good enough. Older than Kane, yeah. And if you're Benzema good enough, as well. You're young enough. 
<laughs> yeah. And it might be that some upstart striker comes to the table, and hopefully that's the case. I think the big thing is if England can find that world-class centre-back or centre-back pairing, ideally. But, you yeah. know, as, as the thing against France, I think they actually played pretty well. It was it was quite ironic that actually Mbappe had a pretty quiet game, but the two sort of little openings we gave them, they scored. Well, their first goal came out of nothing. No, Nobody even expected that guy to shoot. No. And the second one, Griezmann can do that. You know, he is a class player. He's not been pulling up trees in recent sort of couple of seasons, but he is a class player. And then when you puts it on a plate, Giroud can't, can't really miss it. And you probably get a little bit of luck with it. It sort of nicks off. I think it's the back of Maguire's head, doesn't it? And nestles in the corner. All right, that's enough of that. We will get back to the normal structure of the Hurrah. show in the next one before we uh, get into a bit of Christmas madness and then uh, reset the show for the year 2023 where no doubt we will have some kind of fresh looks and smells to uh, proceedings right please do uh, share this podcast on social media get the word out this is uh, why we have to uh, join the TalkSport network because uh, we need more people to share it please do uh, sh- share the show and uh, on Twitter or social media and I, I keep forgetting to ask you to do that I keep asking over about you know six years or whatever it is five or six years <laughs> so please do make up for a lost time and uh, share it and get out make sure you follow the show on apple spotify whatever podcast app you listen to so you get notifications of when it pops first after the short break of christmas uh, we'll be getting back into that regular flow of releases but until then uh, that's one of the reasons why you should follow the show it's just uh, then you know when it comes before anybody else also follow on twitter at my man said and best of all if you want the inside track on everything we do and join our inner circle, get ad-free versions of the show and extra shows as well with more to come in the new year, please do join us as a member. And join us in Match Club. You can uh, get more details and sign up via uh, the link on the website, myomansaid.com. Check out the members link there or just check out the link tree uh, in our bio on social media twitter facebook instagram where you can be led directly to uh, patreon to join us uh, as a member there we'll do the uh, shout outs uh, for the new members who joined us in the last week uh, on the next show right mr bud until we meet again it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.